This is an ABC podcast. Lock the doors. That's climate action now. This Prime Minister does not like scrutiny. The Labor Party is clearly embarrassed. This is a Prime Minister who cannot stand up for integrity. How good is Australia? Here, here. Those opposite are all smear and no idea. Hello and welcome to the party room. I'm Patricia Carvellis from RN Drive. And I'm Frank Kelly from RN Breakfast. And, well, we've been waiting for it. We finally got it. The government's economic stimulus package in response to coronavirus has finally been revealed. This is a substantial package in response to a significant economic challenge. The package is designed to support confidence, to encourage investment and to keep Australians in a job. The package is worth $17.6 billion, $11 billion of which will go out the door before June 30th. And as the Prime Minister said, this is on top of the recent health package, which we announced of $2.4 billion in measures. $17.6 billion, PK, that's a lot bigger than we were thinking it would be. It's huge, Fran. It's a huge attempt to avoid recession caused by COVID-19, the outbreak, and and the kind of panic we're seeing around the world and in our own country. Uh, They've revealed in this press conference that actually the stimulus package uh, blows out to $22 billion over the next two years. And so what we know for sure now is that that forecast back in black surplus is dead. In fact, Fran, it was uh, first revealed on your program. Matthias Cormann just answered it. Good on him. Uh, now we know for sure that it's dead, buried, cremated. It's gone. Uh, there will not be a surplus. And I think uh, most people will understand why this is a genuine crisis. So it is much bigger than anticipated. Just some of the features to run through for our podcast listeners who are thinking, well, what is this all about? So This package is huge and it does involve cash payments. Just like the Rudd government gave you checks in the mail, you're going to get them here too. Not everyone, but a lot of people. A lot of people. recipients will get this one-off cash payment of $750. Now, just to be clear about who it includes, it's big. It's New Start recipients, disability support pensioners, carers, pensioners, um, youth allowance people, people on the veterans payments, but also, and I think this is quite key, family tax benefits. So this is families who receive the family tax benefit. So they will also get this. So this is genuinely quite a stimulatory effect into households getting this money. And and that one-off payment, which is uh, in terms of that particular measure, it's $4.8 billion, will flow automatically from the 31st of March. And so you just get it. And what the government hopes, of course, is that people go and spend it, right? They need it spent in the economy. That's what this is about. It's about actually kickstarting the economy. Now, the other measures which were already, I think, quite well-known, of course, business stimulus measures. And the government has been making this point very clear today, that $3 out of every $4 spent will go to backing business and keeping Australians in jobs. So they said that very specifically, I think, because they're trying to draw a distinction between the way they have constructed their stimulus and say it's about businesses keeping people employed And it does look like that's the way they've constructed it. So, Fran, there are other measures. We're going to get to as much of it as we can because I know people will be wanting to know the detail. But in terms of how huge this is, what are your impressions? Will it work? Because the Prime Minister was asked a few times, will this now uh, stop a recession? They can't guarantee that, but they clearly want to try. 
Well, I'm pretty clear it's not going to stop a technical recession, which is two quarters of negative growth. I mean, most economists think that we are headed that way anyway, as are most countries in the rest of the world. The surprise about this was that measure, that household measure, you just explained to us six and a half million Australians are going to get that. It's a $750 payment straight into your bank account for you to spend. And that's the surprise. It's surprising too, PK, because it doesn't really match much of the rhetoric we've heard from the government uh, even this year, in the last few weeks, but also in the years since the global financial crisis, when the coalition was very critical of Labor just, you know, sending out checks to dead people and a big cash splash. This was always going to be something different than that. But within this quite targeted payment, three out of four dollars of every four dollars to business, there is a lot of cash being injected straight into the economy. Six and a half million Australians with a cheque to spend. So that's a demand measure. That's to try and get people out there spending. So they're going into the small businesses. The, the money's going through the tills, if you like. The cash registers are pinging. But the other side of this problem caused by the coronavirus is a supply shock to the economy. So that's why the government is investing heavily in small businesses where things are slowing down because... They just can't get the measures they need. There's a supply issue. They can't get things from China that they need to keep their products on the shelf. So they're not being able to pump up the supply. So there's two very different elements to this. There is a third element here that we weren't expecting, and that's a $1 billion community fund for... It hasn't been worked out how that's going to be spent yet. That's going to be worked out with the states and and territories when they sit down with the Prime Minister tomorrow. But it's very much directed at some of the particular communities, maybe the tourism communities of North Queensland, for instance, who have been hit hard by the China slowdown in particular. Now, the notion of $1 billion for a fund in this current climate that we've been talking about sports rorts and and misuse of other funds, you know, might send a shiver through uh, some spines, but I'm sure there'll be questioning of the government around that. Yeah, it also includes actually on that a waiver of certain fees and charges for tourism businesses. Well, it's basically for the the regions and the different sectors to apply to how it might be used and the government's signalling one of the ways we will will support is if you want to waive your park fees, for instance, for the Great Barrier Reef National Park or other national parks to try and get people to come. But that's basically going to be on on an application process, I think, from the states, the territories and the regions who need it. Now, the business measures, which were kind of foreshadowed but are worth mentioning, that boosting of the cash flow for employers, which will essentially provide $25,000 back to small and medium-sized businesses with a minimum payment of 2000 for eligible businesses. And there's another one too. So eligible employers can apply for a wage subsidy of 50% of an apprentice's or a trainee's wage for up to nine months from the 1st of January 2020 to the 30th of September. And that's also about trying to get people, you know, staying in jobs. They want to try to avoid layoffs. That's what this is all about because they know that that's a real thing right now. That's what businesses are contemplating. One of the things that the Prime Minister said, and again, about drawing the distinction, I think, with Labor saying that they're not mismanaging money, is that these measures won't extend beyond June next year. He kept saying it does have a finite life. So, you know, trying to create, well, not just the impression, I mean, it's it's a fact that there is just a time frame for this and that it's not about locking it in right out to the forward estimates and creating sort of a booby trap for the budget that means it keeps having to pay out and not sort of weighing down the budget. 
I mean, I get the point the Prime Minister's making and it is very short-term and all these measures wind up in June next year, as you say, um, but I, I didn't know why that was a very pointed criticism of Labor's post-GFC package because their big costly initiatives, which the government was most critical of, were things like the home insulation scheme or the or the building education revolution, you know, that um, building school halls, things like that. Those weren't permanent ongoing funds locked into budgets for years to come. I mean, they were one-off too. It's just that they were too slow in the end to roll out um, during the time of the GFC and the post-impact. So they were stimulatory measures, infrastructure projects to develop jobs, um, but it was mismanaged in that sense. So the government's criticism or big ticket headline here is the Prime Minister says this is about jobs, 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 trying to create some kind of contrast with what Labor did after the GFC. Though I think it is worth pointing out, PK, that Australia in the GFC was one of the few countries that avoided recession. And in fact, our unemployment peaked at 5.9%, which compared to many other countries, it was half what many countries went to. So by and large, the Rudd-Swan government did do a pretty good job in keeping unemployment down. Nevertheless, this is the government's mantra, jobs, jobs, jobs. Yeah, and look, this scenario is quite different. And the Prime Minister was asked, I think, a really good question at the press conference about, okay, we're in a health crisis essentially, so do you really think people are going to go out and spend the money? And I think that is a really, really pertinent question because the difference between the stimulus... Uh, in the wake of the global financial crisis is there was no health fear. There were, you, know, you could go out and go crazy with your money if you wanted to with your cheques yeah. because you weren't worried about spreading the disease or, or being in lockdown or all these other things that are clearly happening right now. So he said and that he does and believe we did. people... we did. We went out and bought all those, you know, big colour TVs. Remember that? I mean, Jerry Harvey loved that at the time. I'm sure he'll love this to some extent. But, yeah, you're right, the atmospheric is very different, the mood, isn't it? It is. And so that's why this is a gamble because you want people to go out and spend, spend, spend. But what's happening, if you look at the kind of behaviour of people, is that people are getting very paranoid. They're looking at what's happening in Italy. Uh, they're hearing the Premier Gladys Berejiklian and they're hearing uh, the, the Premier Dan Andrews talk about closing down schools or closing down mass gatherings. And so it is changing the atmospherics significantly in terms of going out and, you know, spending big. And I think that does matter. Look, there is another element I just want to mention, Fran, which I think is, is has been a really dominant debating point issue this week, the trade union movement raising this issue of the fact that we have so many casuals in this country, over three mm. million, and what will happen if they have to self-isolate? They made a proposal. The government has um, given an answer to that today, finally, because there was there was not a lot of detail about what they were considering. Considering, and we know now they're they're going to extend essentially this this sickness allowance. So what they're going to do is that waiting period will be waived. So you have to usually wait, but you don't now. So if you're a casual and you apply for it, there are still conditions, can I say. So I think it's going to be something that is still contested and some people will argue it's not good enough, but that waiting period will be waived so you can try and get it straight away if you do fit the other criteria. We weren't sure whether the government was going to come at this at all. In fact, when you spoke to the Attorney-General and IR Minister Christian Porter just through the week, he seemed to be indicating they're a bit lukewarm on this idea. This goes directly to what the Prime Minister says about this being a health crisis with economic impacts because this is really a health measure. It's if you're a casual worker and you get sick 
or you have to self-quarantine because you might be sick, because someone who you work with has been sick. So you can't go to your casual job. Suddenly you're out of pocket. The government's saying, all right, yeah, you can access New Start. It's called the sickness payment. It's going to be rebadged, the job seeker payment. But, Pika, I think there's a few problems with this. The New Start system is clunky. It is slow. Yeah, they say they're going to waive the waiting period. But does it mean you still have to go down to Centrelink? How do you access it? If you're sick, presumably you can't go down to Centrelink. And it's not much money. I mean, there's been a debate for years in this country about the level of new start. It's $489 a fortnight. So that means you'd be getting about 250 bucks a week. Is that going to be enough to persuade casual workers who might bring home four, five, six hundred bucks from their casual job to stay home and do the right thing and not spread the virus? Or are they still going to think, no, I'm going to go to my work, I'm going to take a quadril, I'm going to mask these symptoms or I'm not going to go into self-quarantine? I'm not sure that this is enough of a payment, enough support from the coalition to do the job when it comes to casual workers. This is a health issue it's not so much an economic issue. Guardian Australia editor Lenore Taylor and someone who knows quite a lot about federal politics. Welcome to the party room. Thanks and lovely to be here. Hi, Lenore. Lenore, PK and I have been sort of laying out the elements of this package that we've just got. It's much bigger than we were thought, thought it would be. It's, in fact, almost double what we were predicting yesterday. What are the elements of it that you see as being the key elements? It's different to what Labor did post-GFC. What makes this different and, in the Prime Minister's words, sort of better, if you like? You know, I don't think it is all that different to the first Rudd government stimulus package, the 10.4 billion package they did initially, which was also instant asset write-offs and, and benefits to keep businesses going and checks to households, which is effectively the guts of this package. Um, and like that package, it's going to depend a lot on what happens to confidence, whether businesses are are confident enough to go out and make investments and grow because they're getting benefits through the tax system and, and added um, instant asset write-offs for investments and whether households go out and spend their checks. Um, but, you know, by and large, I actually think it's a reasonable response in the circumstances and not at all dissimilar to the first Rudd government package. Yeah, that's right. It is actually similar, the, the sort of checks in the mail, if you like, coming quite soon for people who will spend it. The difference, though, is that this is a health crisis. And in fact, the Prime Minister was asked about this. I was reflecting on it with Fran. The behaviour of consumers, of people, of voters, whatever you want to call people, humans in Australia, might be a bit different because they're actually worried about going out now. Yeah, well, so I think that was primarily a demand crisis. This is a supply and demand crisis. So that's one thing that's different. You know, will there be stuff for business to buy with their instant asset write-off? And also the way that this pans out is so far outside the government's control in terms of the health response and what happens and how many people get sick and how people respond to a health problem, to a, to a health crisis. So I think what, what I'm really interested in is this this first response to a, for a government in, in a time of, of, a, of a big economic crisis is fairly standard. You know, this is like what the right government did. If they have to come back again when it gets really tricky and that it was that second 
$42 billion stimulus package that the Rudd government uh, put out, which was the most controversial, which had, a, by definition, had longer lag times for a lot of the spending measures, and that was where they got into political trouble and trouble in the delivery of the measures. And I was interested that both Scott Morrison and Josh Frydenberg today were quite were dancing around the question of whether they might need to do something more, because I think that's when it gets quite difficult. I think this is the right response, really, at this time, but it's the uncertainty of how this will play and what they might need to do next is what I think um, is probably really keeping them up at night. Yeah, also the question of how it works in terms of how smoothly the rollout goes. I mean, Labor's been, by and large, very supportive of the government's response to this uh, COVID-19 virus so far, but it's starting to put questions around, you know, the speed of things. Is the government's response too slow? We saw that in response to the health package yesterday and the fact that some of those new fever clinics won't be up and running till May, which is obviously, you know, not quick enough. And there's some elements of this package that depend on, for the economy to get the boost the government wants, it'll depend on things happening pretty smartly, pretty quickly. The system's working. For instance, all those casuals who might need, if they get sick or they're in self-quarantine, need to get access to that New Start payment that the government's putting onto. What was the sickness payment? You know, that's all very well, but New Start can be very clunky. The government says it's going to speed it up. Well, how does that go? Because you'd have to say, I think there's been some elements of the government's response so far, despite what the, the Prime Minister says, that haven't been fast enough. The whole communication strategy, GPs have been calling and calling for clear information, one consistent message. We haven't got that. We still don't have one national communication strategy here, which I think is really a failure on the part of this government. We've still got hospitals rolling out different protocols, different responses. We Surely this should be centralised by now. And I think Mm -hmm. this uh, communications package that was part of the health response, you know, that's critical here. And so far, runs on the board for the government, not quite there in terms of speed. Yeah, but I think you have to separate out, in a way, the, the health response and this economic response. Obviously, they're interlinked. And I would agree with you that there are elements of the health response that should have been clearer and quicker And even now, I wonder whether we're moving fast enough to stop community spread of the disease. You know, I do wonder, because when you look at the evidence from overseas, the countries that have done best containing this disease are the ones that have taken really hardline measures to stop Mm. community transmission soonest. But in terms of... Like shutting, like keeping the crowds away from the Grand Prix, for instance, Mm. Formula One. Like that idea. Yeah, like that idea. But in terms of this package, I do think it's a really good thing that the government's waived the waiting period um, for that sickness benefit or whatever it's going to be called now. That was something that was really concerning because, you know, those casual workers who have often precarious um, incomes anyway are often in service jobs that come into contact with other people and, you know, might not have been able to afford to not go to work. So waiving the waiting period for that I think is a really good thing. The Prime Minister said it might take five days to get. Well, I think most people can wait out five days to get some sickness benefits. So I think that was a really positive move. The part of this package that I will have the most questions about is this billion dollar regional fund because we just Uh have no details on that and the track record of great big fat funds hasn't been so great in recent times and it's supposed to be for sort of the hardest hit regions but we don't know hardest hit how, hardest hit 
by rates of infection, hardest hit by economic impact, calculated by whom, under what criteria. I mean, I think given recent history, you know, we are going to have to ask a lot of questions about that. To be fair, it might be that the Prime Minister wants to wait until tomorrow to discuss that through with the states. But, you know, I think everyone needs to be keeping quite an eye on that package. And, of course, then there's the fact that we're just not going to have... Um this surplus that was promised back in black, the mugs. The PM was asked about it at the press conference. Of course he was, and that's because they made it such a big thing. He was asked if if whether he was counting, you know, your chickens before they hatched was a good idea. He got a little bit, I think the word defensive is fair. He said, which of you understood the coronavirus was going to occur when we handed down the budget last year? You know, uh, no, no one putting their hands up. Of course not. But either way, it is still a political issue, though, isn't it, for them, Lenore? Because they they got a little they got a little overexcited there, didn't they? Well, look, the coalition. You know, we all know the coalition spent the last decade ridiculing Labor for blowing the surplus, as if the GFC had never occurred, and they'd just done it, you know, because they loved spending money, and so. There was no debate back then that a government had to act quickly. There was a debate about how much they acted, but no debate that they had to do something. And I think there's no debate now that this government has to do something. I kind of hope that Labor will be more grown up about it than the coalition has been over the past decade and kind of concede, yes, the government had to do something and sort of sort, sort of swallow the... Um, Temptation. Te- political temptation to say, you know, you gave us stick for what we had to do over the last 10 years and we'll give you stick now. I mean, of course, they'll do it a bit, but I feel like we've got to get past that and just, you know, accept that when a crisis hits, a government has to act. I think um, you're right, and this will be tricky for Labor if they can't resist that temptation because I think the um, community at the moment won't really appreciate in the middle of a health crisis, you know, the politicians basically punching each other around the chops a bit over this. Really, they want them to be different to that and behave differently, and that's why Labor's response has been pretty measured so far, I think. So it's tricky for them to thread that line. But, um, Lenore, you know, you mentioned that community grant scheme, the $1 billion, and you're right, we're still having the sports rules political debate at the moment, so it's not terrific timing. But the Prime Minister is meeting with the states and territories on Friday. This is a COAG meeting that was scheduled for the bushfire response. It's March a long time since those fires were at their peak. Yeah. Um, now it's largely going to be coronavirus. But, I, I, you know, I was critical of the government not meeting earlier with the states and territories around the bushfires. I actually think this is too slow coming to. They should have been calling the, the premiers together earlier in this response. We've known about this now for, what, eight weeks or something. That does worry me. I think we're a bit slow to come together for a national response on what is a national emergency. Yeah, I agree. And like, as you said before, we need one set of consistent health information across the country. People just want to know, I mean, we can see in the readership figures on our site, people want information. They want to know what to do if they get sick, when they need to be tested, what they need to do, where it's safe to go. And they want to feel secure that they're getting Um, timely information, you know, that they're getting up-to-date information from the government and that they're getting consistent information. And And trustworthy information. Mm. And not everyone trusts politicians on this. And maybe, you know, we should have more focus on the experts telling us these things too. And, I mean, I think the Chief Medical Officer is doing a fabulous job and it's a really difficult thing to predict. I know here, you know, we're trying to do a business continuity plan to work out 
what to do if things get worse. And it's this impossible task of trying to predict for a million different scenarios when you're not really sure what's going to happen. So I can't imagine how hard it must be to try and plan for, you know, a whole national response. I'm not taking away very hard hard that task must be but I do think from the public's point of view the most important thing is to have clear consistent nationally consistent information and I don't think that's always been happening look I think it's that's right I think taking the politicians out is really key here because we want them to talk about the economic element. This is key and we're talking about the stimulus. But on the health advice, we're getting these mixed messages and we've had, you know, Greg Hunt saying, you know, people should go and get tested and that caused this, according to the experts, a lot of people coming forward, inundating the system. The advice has been inconsistent and I think that's been a really big problem. Look, we got the first taste before I let you go of what Labor might be saying and it won't be surprising, Anthony Albanese tweeting that Labor's priority is keeping workers in their jobs and businesses afloat will be constructive but the inescapable fact today is this the economy was floundering long before coronavirus wages are going nowhere and families are struggling all on this complacent government's watch and we've heard that message before haven't we Lenore but they just want to keep drilling down the fact that this isn't just because of coronavirus the government was not managing the economy well they want to keep that as the central argument I don't know how much success they'll have though what do you think? That is the central argument, but the thing I take heart from is both the government and the opposition is saying the most important thing is to keep people in jobs, and that is undoubtedly true because the big lesson that the Rudd government learnt from the 1990s recession was the desperately terrible long-term consequences for human lives and for the economy when a lot of people lose their job in a recession. So that focus, that clear focus from the government and the opposition is what I think we do need. I agree. Lenore, fantastic to have you on the party room. It's a fast-moving story and thanks so much for being with us. Thanks. And that's it for the podcast, Fran, a special bumper edition of Stimulatory Conversations. I want to sing that. Is it a Wawani song? All I want to do <laughs> is stimulation. Do you remember that from the 80s? I bet you do. Oh, the 80s, that's my time. That's oh, my right. time. So that's it from us. We will be back next week, of course. And Fran's right, we're going to be dealing with the ramifications, the rollout, the fallout, the calls for more and the fact that even the government's making it clear that there might be a second element to this, that they're going to you know, look and see what the success of this is. We might see more in the May budget. And if you do have questions, don't forget the ABC has some answers for you. It's our new podcast around this virus issue. It's called Coronacast. If you've got a question, head to the ABC website. You'll find the link there and Norman Swan is waiting to give you the information. That's it from us. See you, PK. See you, Fran. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.